Thank you. Oh, awesome. Come on, can you lift up those hands towards heaven? Come on, lift up those hands towards heaven. Just lift them up real quick. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to be filled by you. Right now, I thank you. You're filling me. And so as I leave, I'll be different than how I came in. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Such a privilege and honor to be with you guys. I actually, my wife and I were here a while ago, and I have to tell you, we love your pastors, and they actually, um, after church, had us over to their house, and uh, they, of course, cooked an incredible meal. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you cooked a great meal. We sat at your table, and then afterwards, your husband um, uh, turned on the telly, and I think it was either... Uh, cricket or golf and our kids our our daughters and and your kids they were like running around crazy doing things and they were loud and uh we were watching cricket and then all the girls were just the wives were just talking you know what and just non-stop and um and I, I I don't know if it was jet lag or whatever but I I don't really remember what happened but it's, I fell asleep sitting um in like on their couch and when I woke up I don't know if this has ever happened to you I woke up and I didn't know who I was I didn't know where I was and it took me a while and and I think I had like a drool just hanging down my mouth and I woke up and my they had taken off my shoes and they had put in some kind of like grandma blanket over me and and just kept on talking and kept on watching TV. And then I woke up and I was kind of like alarmed and they're like, oh, oh yeah, you just took a, a nana nap. And I had never heard of a nana nap, but it was the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I have traveled all these years to other places and never had a nana nap like at your house. So can we this afternoon, I have been looking forward to the nana nap. Uh, and then I know tonight will, uh, will be so much better. How many of you believe Sunday night service, uh, the level of God's spirit increases if you get a nana nap in between? <laughs> Only three of you. The rest of you have not lived an abundant life yet, but uh, cannot wait till tonight. Um, and, in fact, before I get into the message, I, um, I, we're actually here uh, uh, to speak. We really believe the message for tonight. Uh, I, I preached this message at a conference uh, in Los Angeles at another church, and uh, the guest ministers who were from Australia grabbed me immediately afterwards and said, hey, would you preach this message to our church on our Vision Sunday, which was last Sunday? And so we were uh, in, in the Sydney area preaching and, and really gave that message. And as I was preparing and saying, God, is that a one-off? Is that a one-time thing? Really felt like it's gonna be a prophetic word for this house and for you as an individual. So we'll do that tonight. Is that all right? Uh, and some of you will be like, what? what? we'll see. How good does he do this? This morning, we'll see about tonight, but hopefully that will be good. If you've got your uh, Bibles, we've got just two scriptures I want to read uh, this morning, and then we'll get you to your nana nap. Come on. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 35 says, he trains my hands for battle. 
He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. Come on, would you just kind of flex? Come on, lift up those arms. Come on, lift up those arms. How many of you need God's strength? Anybody need God's strength? Anybody dealing with some things that you need God's strength? Come on. And then the text that I want to read from is 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 29 through 35. And... Um, it's pretty powerful because as we read this verse, there is a subtitle over this chapter, and it says the death of Ahab. So here's the story, 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 29 through 35. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, hey, as we go into battle... I'll disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes. How many of you can already tell he's a weasel? Yes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But when Jehoshaphat called out, the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly, say random, shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and he hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned in the, uh, to the driver of the chariot. I am badly wounded. Verse 35, the battle raged all day and the king remained propped up in his chariot facing the army. The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of his chariot and as evening arrived, he died. Father God, we just again thank you for an incredible day of worship, an incredible day of blessing you in the good times and the bad times, an incredible day of really connecting to heaven while we are taking communion. And now, God, we thank you for an opportunity to get into your word. We know it's your word that renews our mind. It's your word that increases our faith. It's your word, as the psalmist said, if we can get it in our heart, it'll keep us from sinning against you. So we just thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the great teacher. Move me aside and tailor make this message to every single person that is here, that we would leave different than how we came in because we had an encounter with your word. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody say amen. I, um, I used to, very long time ago, played high school basketball. And uh, on my team, I actually was probably, if we had five players that started, I was probably the sixth best player, if that makes sense. Uh, but I did uh, play, I was a little bit tall, and, uh, and I played for um, what we would call our high school was our last four years. So when I was uh, 16, 17, 18, or 15, 16, 17, 18, uh, I played every year. And every year, uh, every day at basketball practice, we would practice a play for if there were only three seconds left in the game. So we ended every practice and, and we would go over this. In case there's only three seconds left in a game, 
this is what you're supposed to do. And I, I probably had the most important part of that play. Uh, I was the one who threw the ball across the court into the hands of our center, and he would then put the ball in the basket after he had we'd run the play, and we were supposed to, you know, win the game. And so uh, we practiced that every day. We practiced it. And my first year, we never ran it in a game. We were never in a game that was so close that with only a little bit of time left, we had to run this play. We were either getting beat by so many points that it didn't matter, or we were ahead by so many points. But the next year, we practiced that play every game. And again, that entire year, we never were in a game that we actually even ran that play. And we could do that play as, like in our sleep because we had run it so many times. My third year, we still played and practiced that play every single day, every single practice, and we never, ever were in a game with three seconds left. My senior year, my final year, about midway through the year, we actually were in a game where there was only three seconds left and we were down by one point, if you know basketball, and we had no timeouts left. And so the coach just went three second play. We all knew what to do. In fact, our best player on the team had fouled out. And now Sean Bradford, our worst player on the team, was in the game. But Sean had practiced that play for four years. And so with three seconds left, I got the ball. I don't know if this um, news clip got all the way to Australia or not. But I, I got the ball and threw it perfectly into Sean Bradford's hands. And even though Sean Bradford was the worst player on our team, my throw was so incredible that it positioned him in such a way that he made the basket. At, I, I, yes, 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 yes. As the, the, the whistle blew or the time expired and we won the game. Yes. Please, let's not talk about it anymore. My head is already too big for that. But what was interesting is afterwards, you go and you shake hands or high five the other team. You know, sportsmanship. You say, good game, good game. Well, they as we were coming by, said that was lucky. <laughs> Three or four of the players, oh man, you guys, psh, we should have won that game. That was such a lucky play. And the reality is, there was no luck about it. We had done some things that they never saw we had practiced. And this story in the Bible is an incredible story because it is the death of Ahab, who is the most evil 
king in the history of Israel. You probably have heard of his wife, Jezebel. Anybody ever hear of Jezebel? Come on, if somebody acts up in the church, come on, what do we say? They have a Jezebel spirit, come on. I have a dog that has a Jezebel spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so this is a story of having victory. Anybody wanna have some victory in 2024? One person, that's incredible. Thank you, sir, you and I. Come on, anybody wanna have some victory in 2024? How many of you feel like there's some things that can come against you and, and have that? And so the text says that it was a random arrow, which would be easy to just look at the story and just go, oh, it was by accident. Oh, it was lucky. But there's actually some things that we can look at from this text and realize, yes, the verbiage is random, but there was some intentionality behind it. For instance, this story doesn't happen. The most evil king in the history of Israel doesn't die unless that soldier shows up. Right? Story, the, the, the story is of a soldier who shoots an arrow and a random arrow kills the most evil king in the history of Israel, but it took somebody to show up. Come on, this morning, we are positioned. You could have gone anywhere this morning. You could have been at Church of St. Mattress this morning. You could, have, you could have stayed there. But this morning, because you showed up, come on, you positioned yourself to have some victory. Right? Come on, and, and, and it happens. I see it all the time as Christians and believers. There will be some people that will go, how come they have all the victory? How come they get all the blessing? How come they are able to fight through the toughness of their life? Well, you know what? Sometimes it just means on a Sunday morning when you don't feel like it, come on, and you want to push the snooze button about seven times, and it was a rainy uh, Friday and you just kind of wished you could have a nana nap at 9 a.m. but instead you came to God's house and when we got here the worship team was on point come on communion was powerful you saw some of your friends sometimes it's just about showing up come on point to your neighbor and say I'm ready come on point to your neighbor and say I'm ready for victory because I showed up. Isn't that good? Sometimes you just show up. I remember when I first got involved in ministry, um, I, I rededicated my life at a church in, in the Seattle, Washington area, and nobody actually really knew my story, didn't know what I had been through or whatever, but I just started going to this church, and man, I got involved with everything. Every time the doors of the church were open, I just kept on showing up. So I'd show up on Sunday, but then on Monday, they had a thing for uh, people that had been divorced. I hadn't even been married, and I was going to the class. <laughs> on Tuesday, they had something for the people that were 65 and older, and I was 20 years old, and I just kept on showing up. They had a thing on Thursday for the women's group. It was weird, but I showed up. <laughs> 
That's where I met my wife. Come on. I just kept on showing up. And, and because of it, they like, hey, Israel, could you run a Sunday school class? Hey, Israel, could you be the junior high pastor? Hey, Israel, could you now take over the high school uh, and be the high school pastor? Hey, Israel, could you run young adults? Hey, Israel, could you do it? And every single thing, people could go, oh, Israel's just lucky. Oh, Israel just it, it knows the pastor. Or, or Israel this. No, the only reason was I just kept on showing up. Does that make sense? Sometimes. You hate it. Sometimes on a Sunday night, there's so many other things with school happening the next day and and all the things you have with your kids. But sometimes the greatest moves of God will show up when you and I just show up. Come on, point to your neighbor and say, you got to show up. But, But this story isn't just about showing up. He also brought a weapon. Story doesn't happen if he just shows up. I'm here. I'm so glad I'm in an emerged church this morning. I'm really expecting him to do something. No, we can infer from the text that not only did he show up, but he also brought a weapon. Right? Come on, we, 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 there's some expectation that God is going to do something. Come on, we, 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 we're not fighting in the natural, but we are fighting against principalities of darkness. And so when we come, we understand there's a battle and we're going to fight in the spirit. That's why it's so important, our praise. The Bible says that it was midnight and Paul and Silas began to shout and begin to sing. And what happens, not only did their chains break off of them, but every chain of every person that was around. So when I come into church, I'm not just praising because I need it, but I realize there could be some people in the room that the enemy has been trying to bind, but I understand I didn't just show up this morning. I didn't just come. Come on. I came with a weapon. Amen? Sometimes it's praise. Sometimes it's forgiveness. Right? Fighting the weapon the enemy would love for us to be bitter, and we choose to walk in forgiveness. We bless those people. The Bible says it's like putting a a heap of coals on somebody's head when you bless them instead of hold it against them, mad at them. Our prayer, our communion. Come on, we came in with a weapon. Amen? Uh, But not just came here. Not just, not just, uh, 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 not only did they come with a weapon, but they also had to handle the process And the tension of the pullback. I hate that. How many of you hate the pullback? Has God ever, when you thought you were supposed to be going forward, have you ever felt the pullback and it not go the way you wanted it to? I guess that's just an American thing. I guess it doesn't happen in Australia. 
Come on, has anybody ever felt that before where you, you thought God was gonna do this and you were looking towards what he was gonna do? You were excited about what he was gonna do and all of a sudden, instead of going forward, God's idea was to actually pull you back. Have you ever felt the tension of that? One person, I love you for raising your hand. Thank you. Come on, does anybody ever felt that tension? And it's the reality of the spiritual life that oftentimes the pruning, oftentimes the pulling back, oftentimes God is checking our heart and making sure he gets rid of all of the junk. But can I tell you, if you're in a season of feeling pulled back, if you're in a season of feeling the tension, can I tell you that actually you should get excited because what that means is what God pulls back. He also says, come on, that tension is actually what is going to catapult you into your future. And sometimes we go through seasons where it feels like in the tension of I'm not where I wanted to be. And it feels like God is holding and God is pulling, and it's not fun, but actually, it actually creates our biggest victory in the long run. Some of you today are in the middle of that tension, and you're a little bit like, ah, can I encourage you this morning? It's actually a good place to be, because God says, hey, if there was no tension, there would be no catapulting into your future. And so you got to handle that. Amen? Amen? Lift up those hands towards heaven. Come on, just lift up those hands towards heaven. Say it with me. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I, can I can handle the pullback and the tension. Thank you that you've got great plans for me. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody say amen. Great story, he shows up. Great story, he pulls out his weapon. Great story, he pulls back. The other thing, though, he had to do is he had to release. Somebody say release. What if he would have said, but it's my arrow. It's my favorite arrow. I have loved this arrow. Oh, sweet, sweet arrow. No, no, no. He was able to release it. And say, I've sometimes, I've got to let go of some things. We live in a society, we live around people who have white knuckles because they're holding on to things. I know in church leadership, not in Australia, but in America, I've heard people say, well, that's my ministry, my church. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not yours, it's his. But we have a tendency to, 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 to grab a hold of. We have a tendency to not let go. There's things that are really good in our life, things that we really like, things that were really good. Like there could be a move of God that was really fabulous before, and we kind of try to hold on to that instead of what God wants to do next. So I've had people before, they've, again, not in Australia, only in Los Angeles where everyone's crazy, right? Uh, we'll come to the church and, oh, pastor, we love the church. We, we just feel like we're called here. And then like a week later, they'll be like, you know what our, our old church used to do that you should do? I'm like, what? why didn't you just stay at your old church? Sometimes we hold on to things 
We can hold on to pain. We can hold on to unforgiveness. We can hold on to things that really aren't ours and we just feel comfortable with it. They can become our crutch. They can become our, our identity and we hang on it. But this story is a story of the most evil king in Israel being destroyed because somebody released and somebody let go. I think Disney said it best, let it go, let it go. That joke went over way better in California. <laughs> Come on, do it with me. Just say, I release it, God. Come on, do it like this. Come on, come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Say, I release it, God. Come on, say, I let it go. Amen? I like this story. Did you, it's kind of weird. Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, hey, you dress up as a king and I'll disguise myself. Jehoshaphat wasn't the smartest guy in the world, was he? Because he's like, okay. Uh, and, 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 and how many of you have stories that when you get to heaven, you want to watch on uh, the, the VC? I, I don't know if they have a VHS in heaven. I don't know if they have compact. How many of you want to see some of the stories? Yeah. Nobody, everybody's just so Christian. Come on, anybody wanna see? This is a story I wanna watch on Blu-ray, right? I wanna watch this. Cause what did you, they're all shooting and then all of a sudden Jehoshaphat, the Bible says he yells and then they recognize that wasn't Jehoshaphat. Like what did he yell? Was it like Michael Jackson? <laughs> like what was it that made them realize that's not Ahab? And, and then they had to, the Bible says they shifted that's tough sometimes, isn't it? When you're going in one direction and then you realize, oh, that's not the right direction. We're gonna have to pivot. We're gonna have to change. We're gonna have to shift some things. You could be parenting and you can parent one child one way, but that next child is completely different. And you realize if you parent them in the same way, could actually hurt them and you might have to shift in an area. You might have to shift in an area of the economy and interest rates. And, and how many, how can all these rate increases help inflation? It only hurts us. And so you might have to shift some budget. You might have to shift some things. And that's sometimes difficult. Most Christians are slower usually to shift. We still want to hang on to 1973. In fact, I, I was in this building when you guys kind of first came in. This doesn't look like the same building. I came, I saw this big thing. I think when you first came, they had the overhead and there was the, 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 the you remember the transparencies and you're trying to get the, the words right and there was always that sweet sister who could never get it right and always put it upside down. But she was faithful, come on. <laughs> she showed up. <laughs> but we've got to be able to shift some things. In this case, Technology, things like that, we're changing to reach a generation. We're not changing the message. The original intent was to kill, was to kill the king of Israel, the most evil king in the history of Israel. But somehow they found themselves doing it the wrong way and had to be able to shift. 
Come on, how many of you know that's important to be able to change, to be able to fail, to be able to try something. Hey, we're gonna try this. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna try it a different way. My, my wife and I, when we first moved to LA, we started our church in our uh, backyard and, uh, and we built the team up till we had a service. And I'll never forget our first service had all the worship team and I was sitting in the front. We had all the worship team on the front and they were leading. And, and, I, and, and I, as the service started, there was nobody there but me. Like the worship team was singing to Jesus and me. That was it. And as the pastor, you know, you, you don't want to be the guy that like looks. Because then it's awkward, right, for everybody. So, but I wanted to see, had, did anybody come? <laughs> Is anybody going to come to the service? Who, who am I going to preach to? And so I didn't want to do this. So then I had to kind of like Bethel worship, you know, kind of like, <laughs> like this. and Hallelujah. Kind of look to see if anybody had showed up. And, you know, we, we, we had to. We had to, we were from North Carolina. We were in LA, same target, same wanting to have victory, but we had to shift some things that were a little different. Does that make sense? This story doesn't happen if they kept on shooting at the wrong target. This story happens when you shoot at the right target, amen? Uh, maybe two more, who, who give me five more minutes? Who give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. We can be here till tonight. Amen. Nana nap right in your chair, and then we'll wake you up. Okay. Uh, this, now, all of these uh, theologians would say that these are inferred facts. That from the story, we can realize had to be a soldier there, had to be a release, had to be a switch. All those we get from the text. This next one um, is actually not in the text, but I feel like scripture would set the precedence. And I know for my own life, it's definitely like that. And that is that when we get to heaven and watch it on Blu-ray, I don't think it was just one arrow. And then everybody's like, "Woo! we got the victory. Because all through scripture, there's these moments, children of Israel, seven days and on the seventh day, the seventh time, come on, then the walls of Jericho came down. Uh, 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 Elijah praying for rain, feeling like God showed up, sends his servant, and the servant comes back and says, nope, nothing's changed. And the Bible says that that happens seven times. Uh, Naaman dips in the water. And it wasn't the first dip. It wasn't even the second dip. But it was probably by the sixth dip. Don't you think Naaman probably had an attitude? Don't you think he was like, ah? And then that seventh time, there's something about what the New Testament says is, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And I can remember when we moved to Los Angeles, and like I said, nobody was showing up. Immediately after worship, you know how sometimes you have a band member that will play and create an atmosphere? Oh, no, you'll sit down so I have somebody to preach to. Come on. And I can remember preaching to an empty auditorium many weeks 
But you know what? I just kept on preaching. I kept on prophesying. Come on, I kept on declaring God's going to do something. Come on, God's going to cause revival. Come on, young people are going to get saved. Come on, those that are addicted, those addictions are going to break. And we just kept on worshiping. We just kept on preaching. We kept on doing stuff. And then now today, people will be like, oh, Israel, you're so blessed because you're pastoring in Los Angeles. You live by the beach, and they are movie stars, and you probably get free Botox, don't you? <laughs> and they think because of the buildings. They think because of the opportunities. They think because of who's showing up to church that we're just lucky or blessed. But the reality is, we kept on firing, we kept on believing, we kept on pushing in, and here you are today, come on, you showed up, come on, you brought a praise, come on, you've changed direction, you keep on tithing, you keep on serving, you keep on smiling, you keep on praying, you keep on inviting that person over and over, and they haven't come yet, but come on, who knows, maybe it's next week, maybe it's Easter, but as Christians, we do not grow weary with well-doing. Come on, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes it's raising our children. It's just over and over. They are acting like a fool. Come on, and you say, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. But you keep on loving. You keep on disciplining. You keep on. Sometimes it's the marriage. Sometimes it's your finances. Sometimes it's just church and, and, and witnessing. Sometimes it's your devotions. And right now you're trying to read through the Bible in the year, and you're in Leviticus. Oh, one more skin disease and you're going to stop reading the Bible. Keep on being faithful in your devotions. Keep on saying those prayers. Keep believing by faith. Come on, we just keep on. We just keep on. We just, if you know what I'm doing, I'm releasing an arrow just so you know. Come on, we just keep on releasing. We keep on releasing. Amen? Last one and I'll close with this. Sometimes... The Bible says it was a random arrow. And where this arrow hit, it's pretty incredible. Because the armor of the king, which would have been the best armor in all of Israel, really didn't have any weak spots. But there was this one spot between the metal that was exposed if you raised your hand at the right level. And there was a weakness and the Bible says, this arrow, again, don't you want to watch it on Blu-ray? <laughs> like it was probably, <laughs> directed by the Holy Spirit, boom, right to the spot. And so it's, it's not about works. It's not about everything that we do, but it's about cooperating with God and saying, God, I trust you. I'm giving it to you, but you've got to do the rest. I can't do this on my own. I need the God of the universe to help me defeat the most evil king in the history of Israel. I, I'm going to do my part, but God, I really need you to show up. Because if you don't show up, 
It's just another arrow that missed its mark. But when I give it to you and I release it to you, how cool is it that God can take it and do something extraordinary? Amen? How many of you need God to do something in your life? Come on, how many of you need the Holy Spirit to get involved? Half of you, come on, anybody need the Holy Spirit to get involved? Amen. I, uh, as the worship team is coming up, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you and for you this morning. It's such an honor to be at this church. Um, wow. The difference between when y'all first started, now there's multiple campuses, that just the hospitality. You guys were so awesome. They, they put us up and gave us a little gift basket. It was so sweet. The, my wife and I, the, the hotel, the towels are so thick. I, I told my wife, I don't know how we're going to fit them all in our suitcase, but it's awesome. Just awesome. Just team and meeting with some of them for lunch and doing different things. Hearing what God is doing. So special here. I remember took that step of faith. So many other different opportunities that you could have done while you were in Adelaide. And he just said, God, we trust you. You're faithful, obedient. And now look what God <laughs> has done and directed. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. Did it for your pastors. He did it for your church. Can I tell you, he wants to do it for you in your life. And the Bible says that first verse that I read, so powerful. The psalmist says, uh, 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 David says, he trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. It's tough. Life can wear you down. Life can suck the strength out of you. And I believe this morning, could have gone back home to LA, could have been with our church, our family. I believe that we're here this morning specifically to encourage you that God's supernatural strength is available. Come on, something's about to come upon you. The enemy has changed directions. Things have shifted. It's been hard. Life hasn't been easy. Interest rates have gone up. But God says, listen, I am not the kind of person that just uh, raptures and pulls you out so you don't have to deal with it. No, I'm the kind of God that says this, that even in the middle of the battle, I'm going to strengthen you. Even while you're weary, I'm going to begin to strengthen you. And and all of a sudden, come on, after today, there's a new walk, there's a new swagger, there's a new faith that come on, the enemy is gonna be defeated in my life. He says he'll begin to strengthen me. He'll begin to give me the power to pull back again. Come on, I am not in 2024 just going to accept the enemy's assignment. Greater is he that is in me than anything that is in the world 
the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. Come on. This is going to be my season. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I believe this morning supernatural strength is coming upon you. I don't know who you are, but today, it's pretty funny. Paul would say, do not grow weary. What does that mean? Some people were growing weary. You don't write that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit unless somebody was weary of the battle, weary of the fight. And all of a sudden, come on, we find out we're not supposed to grow weary. It's not us drinking more coffee. It's not us, more nana naps. Come on, it's the supernatural strength of God that wants to come upon us. So this morning, if you'd say, that's me, I need God's strength. I need his supernatural strength. Would you just lift up both hands in the air? I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Father God, your word declares you train our hands for war. Father God, we declare your word says you strengthen us. God, we can't do it on our own, not with our might, but by your power. Father God, we need your strength. And God, I just declare over this church, I declare over this worship team, we declare over these pastors and their families, we declare over every individual that is watching on live stream, we declare right now a supernatural strength. Oh, Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning and declare, we can't do it on our own. We come before you this morning and say we need an empowering move of God in our life. We declare right now, Father God, that you would cause your spirit to be poured out and supernatural strength would come upon us. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say amen. <clears throat> I don't think you have it here in the United States, but there's a television show in the United States called uh, The Price is Right, and it's a game show. My wife and I were on it last year. We were on the game show, and, and something happened that was crazy. They, it's, it's like this, everybody's standing, and uh, sound man, video people, I'm so sorry, I'll probably mess you up. But I, my wife and I were way, way, way back here, all the way in the back. And they, they called our names. Israel and Rachel Campbell, come on down. Now, when they called my name, I didn't do this. I'm an introvert, and now they want me to come up there. I didn't fold my arms, sit back down. I lost my mind. I started high-fiving and hugging people I didn't even know because I was so excited. I almost picked up somebody 
and took them with me as I can. I was, I lost my mind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hadn't won a thing. But the possibility of what could happen caused me to go crazy. How much more as Christ followers when we hear uh, that God could come and fill his uh, with his supernatural strength? You're going to give him a little golf clap. You're going to go, oh, isn't that nice? Or maybe we could look at things prophetically in 2024 and know that, come on, the greatest enemy in our life is going to be defeated because of the power of God. Come on, sickness is going to be defeated. Lack is going to be defeated. That loved one, that prodigal son or daughter is coming home. I'm wondering for about 20 seconds if we could give him a praise in advance for what we believe he's going to do. Yes! Hallelujah! Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? Hallelujah. I'll talk about it tonight. When I was 16 years old, my pastor, my dad, died tragically in a boating accident. And for about two years, after I was 18, I just walked away from God. But I'll never forget Sunday night, North Seattle, the enemy was winning in my life. I was depressed, suicidal, had no plans, no future. Sat in the back of a church service that my friend invited me to. Didn't know anybody in that church in that room except for my friend. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, is there anybody here that needs to reconnect, rededicate their life to Christ? Is there anybody here for the first time that would ask Jesus into their heart before he could even finish, before he could finish his sentence, his altar call? I somehow, I don't even remember how, but I found myself running to the front of that church and bowing down at the altar at the front of the stage I gave my life to Jesus depression suicidal thoughts no future no plan all of those things in a megasecond were changed in my life and my life's never been the same and my friends that I went to high school with the friends that I played basketball with 
still today sometimes Facebook me, instant message me, Israel, you're a pastor? How did that happen? Well, I didn't do everything right, but I was pretty intentional about saying, Jesus, would you take control of my life? Because currently, I'm ruining it. But I know if you would lead it, my life will change. And the Bible says this. He's no respecter of persons. If he can do it for your pastors, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And so this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm simply going to ask you this morning, if you need to accept Jesus Christ for the very first time, or this morning, you need to rededicate, make a recommitment. You've kind of walked away. You haven't fully surrendered. And you say, today I'm going to surrender. I'm simply going to count to three. And at the end of three, I just want you to lift up that hand high enough and long enough so that I know who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for. And I believe this is going to be the start of a life-changing experience. Come on, Christians are praying. We're believing right now for souls. We're believing for lives to be changed. Come on, one. Come on, two. Come on, three. If that's you, just lift up that hand high enough and long enough so that I know who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for. Awesome. Anybody else? Just lift it up high enough and long enough. We want to. Awesome. See that hand there. Anybody else? Just high enough and long enough so that we know who we're praying with and who we're praying for. Incredible. Everybody, would you say this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've fallen short. I have missed the mark. Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? From today on, I'm serving you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and on the third day, rising again. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus, Help me stay planted in your house. Amen. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing if one person makes that decision. Come on, can we echo what heaven is doing right now?